Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. It was early in the morning. The warmth of the sun was already beating down on the skins of the people that began to gather. The crowd began to get larger and larger. The paparazzi got there on the scene pretty quickly. The cameras were getting in position. The reporters were already beginning to go through in their mind the questions that they wanted to ask this individual. Everybody was astir at this one individual who held that audience captive. Multitudes of people, the Bible says, were gathering quickly from every direction. Who is it that could draw such attention from every class of people? In this crowd were skeptics. In this crowd were the haters. Even the haters were interested in this individual. In this crowd were faithful followers. You almost call them fanatic about this individual. But as the sun began to rise, off in the distance, uh, the, the crowd began to get still. There was a hush because they saw in the distance the figure of a man that was approaching. As he got closer, people began to stir. Are we really going to see him? Could this actually be it? Is this the moment that we get a chance to see his face? And indeed, they began to see his face. As he got closer, you could see his usual smile begin to spread across his face. You see, the crowd came that day not to hear an entertainer. They did not come to hear Jay-Z that day. They did not come to hear Beyonce that day. They didn't come to hear Justin Bieber that day. The crowd gathered that day certainly not to hear CJ that day. The crowd came that day to hear Jesus. That's who the people want to hear. That is what attracts people. Jesus was a magnet for people. Jesus was, uh, if you will, a fisherman of the soul. He was drawing people to himself, and it was incredible to behold. You see, if you allowed your mind to be transported from the 21st century, 2013, to the first century AD, and you got a glimpse of this scene in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, you would draw the conclusion that Jesus is a celebrity you would draw the conclusion that Jesus is famous. Everybody was talking about Jesus. Cheers began to break out spontaneously. Loud hosannas began to burst forth from the crowd in grateful praise. Cameramen got in position as they got the shot of Jesus Christ, of this Galilean who came to preach and to teach to the people. Now, to understand what was drawing the people to Jesus, you would easily say, C.J. was because of the miracles that he did. He was a miracle worker. The diseases, they left faster than the demons left as he called out those demons with just a word. You would say to me, C.J., the man can preach. Boy, that man can preach. Sounds like he came from Oakwood College. That brother can preach. The brother could teach. When he spoke, 
people were spellbound and they were wrapped. All their attention was captivated by every word, every syllable that came from his mouth. But I want to suggest to you today, as a matter of fact, I want to more than suggest to you today, that Jesus Christ was more attractive than because of those things. Those things were attractive, but I want to tell you there was something about the person of Jesus Christ. There was something about his personality, his character, that drew people to himself. And you want to get an understanding of what that thing was. You need to travel back to eternity past. You need to allow your mind to go all the way back to when Jesus was within the Trinity. He was within the Godhead before there ever was a creation, before there ever was a universe. There was the Father, there was the Son, and there was the Holy Spirit. The three in one, the Bible says that he can describe himself as an I. But the Bible also says, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he can describe himself as an us. Therefore, he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. The Godhead was experiencing something, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, that God is love. It doesn't say that God has love. It doesn't say that he merely gives love. It says he is love. Therefore, by the very definition of love, it is completely selfless. Love is, by definition, other-centered. It is focused on the other individual. What can I do to benefit the other person? And so as the Godhead was there existing in eternity past, they were what I like to call loving while, ex while simultaneously being loved. Loving while simultaneously being loved. The Father was living for the Son and the Holy Spirit. The the Son was living for the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was living for the Father and the Son, all living for the other individual. How would you like to be in an environment where everybody was constantly focused on what they can do to serve the other person? That all they lived for was how they could satisfy and serve and minister to your needs. That's the kind of experience the Godhead was having in eternity past. Loving while simultaneously being loved. And this experience could not be contained within themselves. The Godhead, as they had this experience from eternity past, they could not keep it to themselves. Have you ever had something good, some good food or a new relationship? And you had to share it with somebody. You couldn't keep it to yourself. I remember when I got married and I proposed to my wife, I did it very publicly at at the Holy Land Experience. They gave me a mic, and it went out throughout the entire park. I couldn't keep that relationship to myself, even if you tried to keep me silent. God, in this experience of other-centered love, it burst out into creation. It burst out into creation. You couldn't keep this experience that they were having to themselves. So they decided to make community. The human family was God's way of replicating himself. He was creating human beings to replicate the relationship, the experience of love that he had from eternity past within himself, and he himself, by the way, is community. God himself is community. God is relationship. And therefore, when you get a glimpse of the Trinity, you get a glimpse 
into what the reality of what he designed all human relationships to be. Other-centered. Adam, he makes Adam and he makes Eve, and together they represent the image of God. Therefore, when he makes community, he makes them to literally be a microcosm of what he himself is within the Godhead. Therefore, when in Genesis chapter 3, we fell from sin, I like to call it falling out of love. When we failed and we fell to sin, Satan's temptation, we, in essence, fell from the character of God. Therefore, the proclamation comes in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. The good news, the gospel message comes that he would take the seed of the woman and her seed would crush the head of the serpent. Therefore, the Bible says when Jesus finally comes, the pre-incarnate Christ now comes incarnate. John chapter 1 verse 14, the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Therefore, you don't mind if I get some water. Therefore, when Jesus came and he did those miracles, when Jesus came and he taught the people, when Jesus came and he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, when Jesus came and he cast out demons, what people were attracted to beyond all those things was that they saw a human being that was completely emptied of self. There was no self in Jesus. Therefore, when Jesus began his ministry, he called Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. By the way, Andrew, just like my brother, is always bringing people to Jesus in the gospel narrative. Every time Andrew is seen in the gospel narrative, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. He brings Peter to Jesus. He brings a little boy with the fishes to Jesus. These first four disciples, Jesus simply was drawing them to himself to replicate the experience he was having from eternity past within the Godhead. That is why he chooses, he selects, he appoints 12 disciples. 12 is the number of the family of God. It represents the people of God in Scripture. That's why in the New Testament, after the day of Pentecost, when they wanted to choose another apostle to replace Judas who fell, they had to get 12. It represented family. It also represented community. And so understanding what the Father is like was something more than Je that Jesus spoke. It had to be something more that pe people could not just hear about the kingdom of God or what the character of God was. Jesus wanted you to experience it. He wanted you to see it. That's why the Bible says, they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. It's attractive, friends. It's what drew people to the church, and it's what draws people to Jesus. The Bible goes on to say that the crowd was pressing Jesus in, so much so that he's running out of beach to preach from. There's no more beach for Jesus to preach from. There's such a crowd that as he's preaching, he's being backed into the water at the Sea of Galilee. It's almost like the children of Israel being backed into the Red Sea by the approaching uh, chariots from Pharaoh's army. Jesus now needs somewhere to preach, and he's looking around, and he says, 
I need a boat. He looks off in the distance, and he sees, he sees Peter, James, and John, and Andrew there over there washing their nets. And he says, I need their boat. Follow me in the story in Luke chapter 5 and verse 3. Luke chapter 5 and verse 3. The Bible says, I want to invite those of you that are watching online. You may also want to use you version or Bible is. Luke chapter 5 and verse 3. The Bible says, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. All right, here it is. RPC, Jesus needs your boat. Jesus needs your boat. I want you to understand that Jesus was already drawing people to himself. Jesus was doing the work of drawing the people. He simply needed a boat to speak to the people from. Okay, 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 okay. Jesus, not Peter, was drawing the people. Are you with me? Jesus was drawing the people. He was attracting the people. They were drawn to him, and he simply needed a boat to speak to the people. Jesus needs your boat. There are some people in your life that Jesus has placed there for a reason, and he simply needs your boat so he can speak to the people. Jesus needs your boat. I remember when Jesus needed my boat. I was working with Wachovia. I mean, if you remember Wachovia. I think it's now what, Wells Fargo? Wells Fargo? I was working with Wachovia at the time. It was 2002. And I was working with a young man. His name, I'm going to leave out. Wonderful guy. Let's call him B. Let's call him Bob. Bob was a brand new teller. And he came from New York, so we all automatically had a kindred spirit. We automatically had something in common, okay? Now, I grew up in South Florida. I left New York when I was seven, so I'm primarily a Floridian, sorry. But I represent New York all the way. All right, all right. But we immediately started to talk and engage, and he was an excellent teller. Now, I gotta be honest with you, at the time, I considered myself just to be kind of an okay teller. I was just kind of average, okay? But Bob was an excellent teller. And at 4 o'clock, everybody would shut down and go home. We were the drive-through tellers. And you know, while you're back there, you guys may not know as, as you're driving through the drive-through, if you, I don't know how many people still do the drive-through today. Everybody's going to the ATM. But we would be back there talking and having all sorts of conversation. And while we're back there, he's showing me how to be a better teller. He's mentoring me, if you will. He's discipling me into how to be a better teller. But while I'm there, he's, all of, he's bringing up all kinds of conversation about life. He's bringing up all kinds of conversation about spirituality. And Jesus was asking me to use my boat. I had to have my ears attentive to the Holy Spirit. See, it's all around you. Every day you're surrounded by them. I've discovered that Jesus is the one that's drawing people to you. I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. He would start to talk to me about Jesus, and I would begin to share with him what I knew from the scriptures. I didn't claim to be an expert. I still don't. But I was sharing with him what I knew. 
And he began to grow in his experience with Jesus Christ. He was a Baptist, and I, God bless him, man, because he was asking me questions about things such as the Sabbath. Like, what is that? You know, he's like, I'm reading my Bible, and he was like, the second coming, that sounds like it's soon. And I'm sharing those things with him, but in the light of the gospel. And he ate it. I mean, the brother loves the word of God. How many of you love the word of God? He was feeding on the word of God, but guess what? It was doing more for me than it was doing for him. Jesus said, I brought you to Wachovia, Wells Fargo. I brought you there so that I could use your boat to speak to the people. Why do you think I brought you to the boat? Why do you think I gave you the boat? All right, all right, all right, all right. So, okay, in verse 3, I got Lord have mercy. In verse 3, Jesus almost seems intrusive, doesn't he? Jesus almost seems intrusive. Uh, he simply sees the boat, and he gets into it. D- d- did you see that? He simply sees the boat, and he just walks right into the boat. And then he says, only after he gets in the boat, Peter, can you please move out just a, a little bit? Did you see that? I, don't, I saw that in the text. Jesus just gets into the boat. How many of you understand that Jesus is not only Lord when you're here at RPC? Oh, wait a minute. How many of you understand that Jesus is Lord at your job? Jesus is Lord in your neighborhood. Jesus is Lord at your school. And so when Jesus comes to the boat, really and truly Jesus, how many of you know he's God? Wait, wait, Jesus is God. So he made the resources for which Peter was able to gain his resources. How many of you understand that what Peter began to understand is that discipleship, write this down if you're watching online or here, discipleship is stewardship. Discipleship is stewardship. Doesn't the Bible say that Jesus owns the cattle, I mean the cattle on a thousand hills? The earth is the Lord's and the? fullness thereof. So when he steps into the boat, he said, he said, Peter, I gave you the boat to fish. I gave you the boat to catch fish, Peter. Now, you got to understand, Peter, according to the text here, doesn't seem to have a problem at this point with Jesus. See, we got to understand that Peter at this time was a follower of Jesus Christ. If you read in John chapter 1 and John chapter 2, Jesus has already called the four disciples to himself. They're journeying with him. They're following Jesus Christ. But you also got to understand that they were still working as fishermen. Okay. They're working as fishermen, but they're following Jesus Christ. They had not yet followed him full-time yet. Amen? So when Jesus sees Peter, you got to understand Peter loves Jesus. Peter is drawn to Jesus, but Peter has a business. Peter has pedigree. Peter has training. All right. And so when Jesus comes to Peter now, let me find it in the text. Jesus comes to Peter. And when Peter is asked by Jesus to use his boat, he doesn't have a problem yet. I went this just this past summer. I was on the New Testament tour, 
and I went to the New Testament lands. I went to Turkey, I went to Greece, I got a chance to go to Israel, and I got a chance to actually go to this spot where Peter actually encountered Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. It was an amazing experience. But at the same time, we also got a chance to go to Peter's house in Capernaum. It's still there to this day. As a matter of fact, the, the, the Catholic Church has a huge church built on top of it, and there's this big glass floor that you can actually see into his house. It's not a small house, by the way. It's a pretty decent-sized house. So Peter is not low-class, if you will. Peter has some resources, amen? And so your boat, I, want you, I hope you're hearing me this morning, your boat is that which allows you to gain your resources. Your boat is where you spend most of your time. That's at home, but that's also where? At work. It can also be your neighborhood. It can also be your school where you're spending your time. You're, you're sharpening your skills. But Jesus says to you today, discipleship is stewardship. I am Lord, not just at our people. When you leave this place, I'm still Lord of your life. What you own, I gave you to fish. The problem is that some of us don't want Jesus to be Lord in every era of our lives. We would have a problem if Jesus stepped into our boat and wanted to use it. We've forgotten that Jesus gave us the boat to catch fish. Jesus is already drawing people to himself. Do you believe that today? So there's Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. He's in a boat, and Peter was not prepared for what he was about to ask him next. Now, this is an amazing sight. If you are one of the angels in the angelic host in heaven, you're leaning over from heaven, looking down at this scene. Here is your commander-in-chief swaying back and forth in a boat, speaking to the people wrapped in human garb. We can't understand how humbling this must have looked to the angelic host. But we pick up the story as he now turns to Peter. Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. He gazes over to Peter, and he says, But Simon, he says in verse 4, he says, When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch. Everyone say launch. Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. At your word, I will let down the net. You see, Peter was cool when Jesus was using his boat. But he wasn't prepared for what Jesus was about to ask him. This is kind of awkward, Peter must have been thinking. Now Jesus wants to be a backseat driver. Now Jesus wants to tell me how to run my business. Uh, wait, Jesus wants to tell me how to run my profession. And I want to tell you, RPC, that once you let Jesus use your boat, you've got to be prepared for the unexpected. You've got to be prepared for the ride of your life. I had a similar experience when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, this is around the time that God was working on me. How many of you know it is, a, it is a fearful thing when God is calling you to go this way and you go that way? 
You may have seen the video. It says corporate to clergy. I was trying to go corporate because I was doing a Jonah. I didn't want to be a pastor. I went all the way to, you know, I get kind of, I feel kind of weird when people start talking about my degrees because what was behind those degrees was a call to ministry, and I was trying to go as far this way, so there was no way for me to go back this way. And God had to turn me around. I had a four-bedroom, three-bathroom house, and it almost foreclosed. God had to bring me flat on my face. God had to get me to a place where no matter how much time I brought into, how much effort I put into that career, it didn't satisfy the manager I was working for. Later, they found out that she was corrupt and stealing money from the corporate office, and that's how God got me out of my career. He pulled me out before that whole thing came crashing down. Her face came up on the news. I'm not going to mention which news station. Her mugshot, she is in prison today. That office does not exist anymore. God pulled me out. He said, CJ, I'm trying to make you a fisher of men. But I had an experience in Atlanta. I got to the place where I was, I was substitute teaching, and I, I want to tell you I had a great experience doing that. But it didn't pay the bills. I had a great experience doing that. But while I was there, I, I, I was getting, preaching, and all these invitations started to come out of nowhere. Some of the preachers in the house understand what I'm talking about. Out of nowhere, these invitations started to come. And I'm saying, listen, I'm not trying to be a pastor. I'm, I'm more than willing to preach. I'm more than willing to do Bible studies. I had a small group in my home. And I was enjoying it, but I wasn't trying to do that full time. My wife, knowing what my calling was, knowing what I was dealing with, she, she was encouraging me, yet she was also, and we were both a little fearful about the prospects of what this was about. But one day, anyway, I had a speaking engagement at the University of West Georgia. Uh, another campus advent was being formed at the University of West Georgia, and so they were asking me to come and preach. And so the next day, I had a speaking engagement. But that Friday, I was rushing out to go to the barber. And I was hustling, man. I was trying to get outside. I was trying to get there before the, the, the crowd got there. And by that time, I was like, well, you know what? There's going to be a ton of people there, but I'm just going to go ahead anyway. And as soon as I'm pulling out of my driveway, we're getting ready to back out, and we're getting ready to go onto the street. And across the street, there's this house, and it's my neighbor's house. She actually came when I was doing an evangelistic series at my church, and she, she told her husband that I was a preacher. She told her husband that I was the very thing that I was trying to run from. And so when he saw me pulling out of the house, he saw my neighbor, the preacher. And so as soon as I'm pulling out, my first I've got to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you today? My first thought was, i got to keep going. i got to go preach about the love of God. I don't got time to demonstrate that right now. I'm being honest with you. Lord had to arrest my attention through my wife. As we're pulling out, Deidre says to me, CJ, you did say that you were being called to ministry, right? I was like, yes. <laughs> this is not the time I want you to be spiritual. <laughs> she says, I'm glad that she listens to the Holy Spirit. And she says, CJ, here's your opportunity. Because as he got closer to the car, RPC, there were tears coming down his face. And the closer he got to the car, he, you could tell he was sobbing. I'm not talking about the little, you know, he was bawling. So I got out of the car, said a little prayer. He said, you're the preacher, right? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, CJ, I'm a hired gun. 
I've been hired to take people out by corrupt leaders in the community, and I have a job today, and I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what else to do. My wife doesn't know what I'm doing. And he said to me, he said, CJ, if you don't say something to, are you listening to me? He said, if you don't say something to me right now about Jesus, I'm going to go carry out this order. I want my life to change now. I said, wow. I said, first of all, I want you to understand, I can't change your life. But I know the God who has changed my life, and I know for a fact he can change yours. We got him a Bible. We put inside that Bible the date of that day, and we sat him down. We took him out to eat. We got a wonderful Bible. I want to encourage you, those that are watching online, to get this book, Steps to Christ. Gave him the book. He calmed down his face. You could tell his countenance had completely changed. And I told him, I said, listen, whenever you feel tempted to go back to your former way of life, you look at that date and you say, this is the date that I chose to change my life for Jesus Christ. Jesus is asking you to launch out into the deep. And you got to understand, we don't like this. I didn't like it. It was inconvenient. By the way, the Lord blessed that preaching appointment anyway the next day. I didn't have a haircut. I had to do it myself. (laughs) The Lord blessed. And I want to tell you that when Peter was asked to launch out into the deep, he recognized that this challenged his pride to the utmost. I'm the professional. You're the preacher. I'm trained. You're the teacher. Do your Messiah thing and we'll be good. You see, it's cool when you want to be Lord, when we're out there and we're doing the tour, Jesus. That's cool. But the moment you want to get into my place of employment, the moment you want to get into my house, the moment you want to get into my resources, Jesus, I have a problem. But you also got to understand that he loved his Lord. The Bible says that he said, but at your word. All right, at your word. How many of you are spending time in the word of God? So that as you're listening to him at your word, Jesus, I'll let down the nets. Water for the thirsty. At your word, Jesus, I'll let down the nets. Bible boot camp, Jesus, with Paul Grab at 5.30 in the morning. Amen. Oh, it ends at 5.30. At 5 in the morning. At your word, Jesus, I'll let down the nets. You know, Auntie Ellen says something about this in The Desire of Ages. I encourage you to get that book as well. But she says this, and I love it. She said, yes, Auntie Ellen. She says, Peter was disheartened. There was something going on underneath the surface. Peter was disheartened. All night, he had taken nothing. During the lonely hours, he had thought of the fate of John the Baptist, who was languishing alone in his dungeon. He had thought of the prospect before Jesus and his followers and the ill success of the mission to Judea and the malice of the priests and the rabbis. Even his own occupation seemed to have failed. And as he watched by the empty nets, the future had seemed dark and discouraging. Master, he said, we have toiled all night. Jesus, have you felt this way? I've tried everything. I've tried that before. I tried talking to that person on the job. I understand you gave me the book. I get it, but I've tried that before. They're not responding, Jesus. 
Jesus still says launch. You've seen that guy at the gym, fellas, when you see him, and you just give him that head nod. You know, that's a, that's a whole conversation right there. You just give him the head nod, and you go on about your business, doing your workout. Jesus is saying launch. Ladies, you're at the hairdresser, and that lady wants to have a conversation with you, and she seems comfortable talking with you. Jesus is saying launch. That son you've been praying for, and he comes around still, but he doesn't seem like he has that close connection with Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying launch. That person that you've been wanting to invite to your house for dinner, for supper, maybe for fellowship lunch after church. You've been wanting to invite that person. Jesus is saying launch. You've been wanting to start a small group, a tribe, and Jesus is saying launch, RPC. I'm taking you out into the deep. I want to tell you that when the fish, by the way, the fish, by the way, responded to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, the fish, they said, well, this is it. This is not a drill. The master says, get in the net. No, but how many of you want to believe? When the master calls, people will respond. You see, Jesus was doing something absolutely brilliant. He was doing two things at the same time. Jesus was fishing the souls and the hearts of men while he was teaching Peter how to fish. And he used the fish as an illustration of what he was going to cause him to do with people. Jesus is already preparing the people around you, RPC. They're all around you, but you know, you may have a response like Peter. Peter saw his sinfulness. Peter saw his condition. He knew he was struggling with certain sins and addictions. He knew what his heart condition was really like. And Jesus, knowing that, Jesus, knowing what's underneath the hood, Jesus, knowing the pornography, Jesus, knowing the lust, Jesus, knowing the lies, Jesus, knowing the deceit, Jesus, knowing the gossip, looks at the car, he looks under the hood, and he says, RPC, I still want you. I still want you. Don't be discouraged, Peter. I love how the Bible says it. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Peter. I will make you a fisher of men. That's our Jesus. He's not intimidated by our mess. Jesus looks at you and he says, I love you still. You can't sin enough. It hurts me when you do, but you can't sin enough for me to stop loving you. I saw what you did last night. I know what you're going to do tonight, but I'll take care of that. Would you stay with me? As a matter of fact, that's discipleship. The Bible says that when he appointed them, he was praying all night, and then when he got up early in the morning, he appointed 12 and set them apart. And the Bible says the first thing he did was he appointed them to be with him, to have an intimate relationship with him. And then the Bible says he sent them out to preach and to teach and to heal and to cast out demons, to do the very same thing that he was doing. He empowered them through the Holy Spirit, but he first said, I need you to be with me. Can we roll? Can you walk with me? Jesus is saying the same thing to you today, RPC. I'm calling you to be with me. The Bible goes on to conclude as I'm wrapping up in verse 11. The Bible says, so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. That's what a disciple is. They're a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. There are some 
that God is calling to be full-time disciple-makers, full-time ministers of the gospel. But I understand that this church understands that every member, every disciple is a minister, that everybody has a calling on their life. Really and truly, Jesus could have still used Peter in his boat. Jesus is still calling you while you're in your boat. He called me out of my boat, and then he brought me into another boat. But Jesus is still wanting to use your boat to speak to the people. I believe Jesus is speaking today. Now, we saw the move of God earlier this morning. I was thoroughly blessed that um, the day that I'm here to be installed, someone's making a decision for Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to stand right now. If you want to say, Jesus, I want to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. I want to learn what it is. I want to recommit myself to the process of discipleship in you. I realize my sinfulness. I realize that there is nothing good in me that can recommend me to you. I recognize, Jesus, that I am a sinner, that I am in need of your grace. And he goes, that's when I can use you. You see, because you recognize that it's not anything in you that's going to recommend you to me. You recognize that you need me. You need my grace, my justification, my sanctification. You need me to declare you righteous, which he has, and then to, while he declares you righteous, to make you righteous. You see, there's a parallel between him making you a fisher of men in the process of your salvation. Jesus is the author, and he is the finisher of your faith. Therefore, he takes full responsibility. He simply needs you to surrender to him. It begins with surrender. My hand is raised. I want Jesus to disciple me. I want to invite you, if you want that same experience in your life, if you want Jesus to use your boat, please stand with me right now. You're standing because you're saying, Jesus, I want to go beyond just warming a pew. Jesus, I want to go beyond simply going to work just to make a check. You do realize it's more than making a check. You are there to make disciples. But Jesus has prepared the people. You're bowing your heads right now. Your mind is being lifted up to the throne of God. And you're saying, Jesus, I want you to disciple me. If that means joining a Bible study, if that means getting up at 5 a.m. to do Bible boot camp, if that means, Jesus, that I'm going to engage in Water for the Thirsty, I'm going to go through the reading of your word every day in this community of faith together, encouraging one another to continue in the word of God. You're saying, Jesus, if that's what it takes, I'll do it. If it means, Jesus, I will open my home so that people can come and be discipled within my, my living room. We're going to eat together. We're going to pray together. We're going to study the Word of God together. If it means I'm going to join a ministry or launch a new one, Jesus says, don't be afraid. I will make you fisher of men. That's you. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand to Jesus as he receives this prayer. And if there's someone here today, all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed. 
You've come into this beautiful body of believers here at RPC. You are in this church right now, and you say, CJ, I have not made that commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to hold this long, but I can't preach this word without offering an opportunity for somebody to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, it is the best decision you will ever make in your life. And you couldn't have chosen a better church to be at to experience the process of discipleship, if that's you. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time, or this is your recommitment. You've fallen away. You want to come back. I invite you to come right now. I invite you to come right now. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know what's going on. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.